couple things maybe we need to mention before we jump into the scriptures. Uh, number one, in front of you is a group me card. It just says add me to the group me. You can put your name and your phone number on there. It's got some on those tables. If you want to stay in the loop, that's how we do it, right? If you want to know where things are going on, our missional communities are being hosted, what time parties are happening, any changes of schedules, DNA groups that are meeting midweek with uh, other guys and other girls. The group me is how you stay in that loop. So um, just name, phone number, and you will stay. Add the group me app to your phone, and the group will automatically appear when I add you. Okay, you don't have to do anything but add the group me app. Um, Andrew, will you grab those car decals over there? We also want to make sure those car decals... Um, that's what those, yeah, just put a few on each table. We're going to make those accessible to you. The car decals, I'll tell this every now and then, um, that is, when you see them, number one, you recognize, hey, they're part of our city church, Salt County family. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, but then you're like, what is the X? What does that mean? Why do we have that as our logo? Um, well, that X, okay. Also, right here, huh? kind of shows up everywhere. Um, but that is when, when the, the Bible was written, the New Testament was written, it was written in the Greek language. This is the symbol, in our own way, uh, that represents the Chi symbol in Greek. And the Chi symbol was the first, uh, the first letter in the name of Christ. So... When we see this, it's, the, it's an abbreviation for Christ, is what it is. So it's not only a symbol that, hey, we're part of the city church, Salt County family, but it's a symbol as you go through everyday life that Christ is king everywhere we go. Okay, So we actually have people in town that continue to sport the X's even though they're not a part of our family. Why? Because Christ is king, right? Because that is a bigger deal than what we're doing here, because uh, what we're doing here is just a part of that. So anyways, car decals, peel it, stick it, and then pull the cover off. That's available to you at any point, any time as well. Anywho, um, what's the date of... Baby shower is two weeks away for Whitney. Uh, got a baby coming. We also got, y'all got missional community... Do y'all have a day? And if you're not on the group me, you're not going to know what they decide. So <laughs> either the 24th or the 31st, we can discuss the pros and cons of both after this. Um, but they're going to host an end of school party at their house. Uh, number one for you guys, for us as a family. Number two for all their neighbors. Uh, slip and slide, 75 foot slip and slide, so it's not for kids only, it's for all of us. Uh, it's fun to take out the kids, knock bring them over. Your inner tube. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like floating a river, just bring your inner tube. So, um, But our missional community events, those are twofold. Number one, they're family events for us, but we don't do anything without a purpose of reaching those within our reach. So when we host parties, the parties are not just for us. Their parties are so our neighbors and those within our reach can come see and experience what it's like to be a part of this family. 
in a non-intimidating way for them, more like a family party than a church event. Okay, so um, cool. That's coming up uh, this Wednesday. We have our DNA group. If you're a guy and um, you're not a part of some life on life, sorry, I was trying to find where I'm teaching while I'm talking. Um, and you're not a part of some life on life discipleship. This Wednesday night, we're going to eat probably at Moe's at 6.30. We'll eat a burrito together, and we'll open up the Word of God, and we'll study and see how it applies to our life. Very simple, very personal, uh, awesome time. That'll happen this Wednesday night with my group. Um, If Wednesday night doesn't fit for your schedule, Stephen um, is kind of the host of the group that meets on Thursday night. So... We want to offer those all throughout the week so that whatever fits your schedule, uh, you have an opportunity to connect with some guys. Next week, the girls will meet again. Announcements are done. Deuteronomy chapter 20 is where we're going to spend our time uh, this morning. But I want to start by quoting Joshua 1.9, which is all of our kids have a verse that we kind of attached to them. Uh, Micah is Micah 6 8, which is what does the Lord require of you? Um, mercy and walk humbly with the Lord your God. Um, but Jordan, is that the one? No. Brant. Sorry. Brant got Joshua 1 9 attached to him. Joshua 1 9. Anybody know what Joshua 1 9 says? Off the top of your head? Yep. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 20 here in just a second. Verses 1 through 4. Joshua 1 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Now, in and of itself, that command would be a little bit overwhelming, but what does he give the reason for his strength and his courage? God's with you, wherever you go. Therefore, you can be strong and courageous. It's not a command to quit being a pansy. It's a command that says, because this condition is true, then this condition can also be true. Because God's with you. His presence goes with you all day, every day. Therefore, you can be strong and courageous. Uh, So question, what comes to mind when I say... or? Who comes to mind when I say strong or strength and courage? You're not allowed to use a Bible person right now, but who comes to mind when I say strength and courage? What people come to mind? Mama. I think a lot of us would probably... I was going to say mama, but I'm going to go with the word you said. You said mother. Right? So mother. Right? What comes to mind? Strength and courage. Soldiers. Soldiers. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, for some reason I had the I before the L. If you only saw what was in my brain. What comes to mind? Strength and courage. First 
Okay. Okay. Give me a couple more. All the single ladies. No, single moms. Yeah. Sorry, it's just the first thing that popped into my head. So what are, what are the reasons that we're drawn towards, say, mothers, soldiers? What, what are the characteristics that are coming out that... So why would you say your mom? What What's the strength or the courage that you're like, oh, that's... She's always Okay, so it's the reason uh, they have been able to travel through adversity without being consumed by it, right? Therefore, they're strong, they're courageous, they continue to push through. It's like a fireman going through the fire, yet he's not consumed. We attach the same thing to moms and dads that we've observed for years. What else? What Soldier. Why, why soldiers? The training required and then the uncertainty of the daily life of being overseas. Okay. The intense training, the risk, and the cost. Leaving a family unknown, all these things. Right? Because they willingly sign up for that. Strength and courage. Um, so I think, what, what do you say single moms, Mike? What, what is it that compels you to, towards that? Well, that's what I think of when I think of, <clears throat> of a single mom who's, who is, uh, she might have been abandoned, she might have been mm-hmm. had a loss, or whatever the circumstances may be. She may be unmarried, but uh, she is taking on life, uh, making uh, sacrifices for mm-hmm. her family and keeping a good attitude and all of that. And I, that, I admire that. Yeah. So it's somebody I, I, I would admire. Yeah. Yeah. You have two parents at one time. And sometimes you have to ask, you have to answer why that other parent isn't there. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, the same thing that you attach to single mothers is the same thing that he attaches to soldiers and the same thing that we attach to, you know, so single parents, soldiers, first responders. It's interesting that the strength and the courage, the characteristics and the reasons we attach them to strength and courage are all similar reasons. It's the adversity, the risk, the cost, the the persistence in those things and the willingness to attack those things. Be strong and courageous. The Lord's with you wherever you go. Right. Um, so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 20. The past two weeks we've been talking about God's presence versus God's blessings. Which one would we rather have if we had to choose? Um, I want us to look at another layer of that this morning. Deuteronomy 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. When you go out to war against your enemies and you see horses chariots, and an army larger than yours. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you're about to engage in battle, the priest is to come forward and address the army. He is to say to them, listen, 
Israel, today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies. Do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed, or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. So when you see what? You see horses, chariots, and armies that are what? That are bigger than yours. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Why? Because the same Lord who delivered you from Egypt goes with you and fights for you until you have victory. Okay? So therefore, you can be strong and courageous. I want us to hone in on one word that is in this passage. And that word is enemy. Right? I tried to spell that, and by the time I wrote it, it didn't look right. Yeah, no, I had enemies in my brain. Anyways, enemy. The enemy is one who provides opposition or resistance. This is the definition of enemy that we're going to work with. The enemy is an enemy because he provides opposition or resistance to something or someone, right? Um, the object of opposition always correlates to the object of your affection. The object of opposition, the, the enemy, the one who resists, the one who creates an obstacle... There's always a correlation between that and the object of your affection that you are pursuing. So ultimately, you have myself, or yourself, or oneself. And then you have a goal. But the enemy, the opposition, comes between you. Right? It's resistance. It slows you down. It causes an obstacle or an opposition or resistance to you achieving your goal or the object of your affection. You should, without the enemy, you can go and grab it immediately. Immediately. You could attain the goal, but because there's an enemy, you have to slow down. There's resistance. The opposition becomes the enemy for no other reason than they provide resistance to you attaining your goal. So look at this. Um, This person, that thing that you call enemy, apart from your goal would not be an enemy. Just let that settle in for a second. This person or this thing, apart from your goal, would not be an enemy. If you weren't pursuing this thing, and this person or this thing were not between you and that, they would not be your enemy. 
We're going to let that settle in over the next few minutes as we talk about this. If that's fuzzy right now, it won't be in a minute. So, apart from that one thing, here's, apart from this, so let's say person one, person two, apart from this one thing, Person one and person two may be completely compatible in every area of life. In fact, y'all might be best friends. But the fact that you are pursuing this and they become the roadblock, no matter how many places in your life, in your character, in your personality, in your, your hobbies, your desires... The fact that they are the opposition to that one thing, now this person that may be the most compatible person in your life, becomes your enemy. Because of one thing. And that's it. One thing. Inevitably, here's what happens, and this is where our conversation is going. Inevitably, if they are the enemy long enough, here's what happens. You demonize them, as you idolize the goal. So those are our two working words that we're going to move ahead with today. The goal, the one thing that you idolize, the one person, the one thing, the one obstacle, you demonize. And you demonize them because they get in your way. They become the enemy. So, what are the problems with demonizing someone or something, what are the problems that come as we demonize someone or something? Remember that they could be compatible in every other, agreeable in every area of life apart from you pursuing that one thing. Y'all could be like side by side holding hands, skipping down downtown, but the fact that you are pursuing the one thing that they are opposing you from they become the enemy, and because of that, you demonize them. What is the problem, potential problems with demonizing someone or something? This loves your, your maturity, but um, your growth. Okay. Of, of trying to reach your goal and takes away from who you are. Mm-hmm. The way that I worded that in my bullet points was there's an unbalanced use of resources focused on the enemy that should be focused on the goal. It slows you down. And that's inevitably that's what happens. That's one major problem with demonizing someone or something because inevitably you stop focusing on the goal and the one you begin to focus on the one you've demonized. It becomes more about them than the goal. All your resources go to attacking them instead of pursuing the goal. It's inevitably what happens. That's one major problem with demonizing someone or something. What else? What's another potential problem with demonizing? You attach whatever negative thought process or emotion you attach to the roadblock, you, that can extend outside of anything pertaining to your goal. So even if they might have one thing that opposes your goal, you can be doing daily life with them and you still feel negatively toward them because of that one instance. Yeah. 
So I had the same statement in mind, once again, slightly different worded. And I just said simply that those you demonize could be adding value to your life, yet they never will because of that one thing. Like they could be a valuable person or thing in your life. They could be a help to you. They could add value to you. But because of this one thing, they never will. Because we've demonized them, the value that they could hold in our life doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Can I ask you to use mm-hmm. like, um, a different word other than demonize? Like, just, just to give you another idea of what you mean by demonize. I... You believe that they are the problem. Well, I think we're going to get this morning that you're going to learn they're not. <coughs> the reason the problem is because you have demonized them and all your focus goes to them instead of pursuing the problem. We're going to, we're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. But the only reason, let me say this, I'm going to give the answer away before we get to the end. The only reason they're the problem is because you have allowed them to become the problem. Okay. I'm going to back up that statement with the rest of our talk. Okay. Last bullet point I had for this was um, sometimes if we demonize someone, it's just an unfair grouping that we place them in. Right? Because of one thing, we lump them into a whole group. Right. And just sometimes it's too general, too unfair. Um, so let's do a quick character study to, to see this play out in real life. Okay, uh, There were two people in the Old Testament. Anybody know who the first king of Israel was? Saul. Saul. Okay. So let's go... Saul, and Saul was, what did we just say? He was the, Saul was king of Israel, okay? Saul was king of Israel. Um, what was, so that's him. What was Saul's goal? Does anybody know what Saul's I mean, just long-term, what the pursuit of being the king of Israel, what, what was his goal? Okay, he was in conquering, taking the promised land and all these things. Um, what did you say? Back up. Did he have a son? Jonathan. So in passing on that legacy, you're 100% right. In passing on that legacy, Saul was the king and Saul's goal was to pass the throne to Jonathan. That was his goal. I am the king, and very naturally, the king's son becomes the next king. That's my goal. Now, there was another person who entered into this narrative. What was his name? David. David was the other person. And interestingly enough, David provided a little opposition or resistance to Saul achieving his goal. 
right? And it was David's success. It was, they used to sing songs in David and Saul's times. They would go around singing about how David has killed thousands and thousands. He has slain all these people. He is, he is a mighty warrior. The problem was, Saul was still king. He was still king. And Samuel, the priest, had anointed David to be the next king. So here we are, David, anointed and successful, became resistance to Saul passing on his legacy as king. So, for those of you who have read this narrative in the Old Testament, how did this resistance begin to affect Saul's everyday life? He to torment him like he would lose sleep. And, yeah, made him crazy. <coughs> torment, anxiety, loss of sleep, so that evil spirits would come and they would grab hold of Saul. It ruined. I mean, he became irrational. paranoid, irrational. What did he spend all his days doing when David became the resistance? Spent every day waking up, scheming about how he was going to eliminate David. He didn't spend any time, how can I be a faithful and just king so that I have a legacy to leave? His thoughts and his actions were consumed by eliminating David. He demonized him. In fact, Saul did not lose his throne because David was a better king. He lost his throne because of his unfaithfulness. David wasn't the problem. Who was the problem? Saul. But when he demonized David, it wrecked him. It wrecked him. He never pursued his goal again. He only pursued David. And in that pursuit, David never wrecked him. He wrecked himself. Unbalanced use of resources in attacking the one he demonized David could have been his most valuable warrior, and he was willing to be. He was willing to work for the king. He was willing to help the king. He was a friend of the king's son. He was willing to be his number one go-to man and add value to his life. But when Saul demonized him, it was over. It was over. Okay? So let's flip the script. Let's flip the script. Same people. You have David. What was David's goal? David was, like we said, anointed as king. And his goal was to become king. 
right? But what was the resistance? What was the enemy? What was, what was the one who came between David and him becoming king? Saul. Same people. Flip the script. Saul. Saul was the one who came between, um, provided the resistance, and Saul wanted to just simply keep the throne. Okay, so here we are, David pursuing the goal to become king. Saul is the one who stands between providing resistance. He's the opposition to his throne. Okay, read with me. Uh, I'm gonna, if you want to flip there, you can flip. Otherwise, listen really closely. First Samuel chapter 26. One of those instances where Saul was chasing after David to kill him. This is what we see. Saul has demonized David. He's pursuing to kill him so that he can pass on his legacy. And here we are in chapter 26 of 1 Samuel, verses 8 through 10. Then Abishai said to David, here's Abishai and David, they have seen Saul, and he has let his guard down, and he is in front of them. Today God has delivered your enemy, that's Saul, to you. Abishai says, David, let me thrust a spear through him into the ground just once. I won't even have to strike him twice. In this moment, David, who is anointed king, has an opportunity to eliminate Saul, who is the current king, so that David can... There would be no more resistance, no more opposition. Abishai says, let me do it. David says to Abishai, don't destroy him. For who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and still be innocent? David added, as the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either this day, or either his day will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and he will perish. So here we are, David and Abishai. See Saul and his his, his servant, Abishai, says, just let me do it. I can strike him with a spear. He'll be dead. You'll be king immediately. You will pursue. You'll have your goal, your opposition, your enemy will be out of the way. And David says, no. The Lord fights my battles. Here's what we saw in this moment. David had an opposition, but David chose not to demonize him. He had opposition, but he chose not to demonize him. Saul is not my fight. This is what I'm pursuing. I will not pursue Paul. I mean Saul. Because the Lord will strike him down. Or the Lord will send him into battle. Either way, God's going to take care of it. He's going to fight my fight for me. I don't have to fall into the trap of using all my resources to pursue this man like he's the problem. Let me be faithful and let God work out his thing as I pursue the throne. Right. So he did not derail his resources. He didn't derail his energy. Instead of believing that he must focus on his enemy, David believed that he, that Deuteronomy chapter 24 was right. 
the Lord is the one, the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. David did not believe that it was his job to eliminate the enemy. David believed what Deuteronomy chapter 20 that we already read said. The Lord is the one who goes with you. The Lord is the one who eliminates your enemies. The Lord is the one that does that. David, focus on the goal. Don't focus on the enemy. As soon as you focus on the enemy, you have demonized them like they're the problem. But in that moment, you become the problem. Because you've given them too much power and authority. Too much of your resources. Too much of your energy in that moment. Okay. Last week I asked you, I asked you a question. I don't have any room on my board. I've got to get a bigger board. When we get a bigger space, we're getting a bigger board. Okay. Last week I asked you to name that one thing that your life was in pursuit of. Right? What's that one thing that this is the direction of your life? It's going this way, and I'm pursuing that one thing. And we, we, we clarify, we say, just because that one thing wasn't Jesus, it's not a bad thing, right? God's given you many things in your life to pursue, and you're pursuing that thing, and, and that thing may be an awesome thing. We're not belittling that thing. We're, we're just recognizing that thing. Um, we talked, uh, I think one of them was pursuing a home. I think Mark may have said something like uh, health. <laughs> he say health and wealth, something like that. Uh, we talked about parenthood. Um, I, would say near, I would say peace. Peace. Anybody else got anything to throw in the mix? <laughs> peace and a chihuahua. Those two things are counterproductive. <laughs> if you're pursuing peace and you have a chihuahua, you will demonize that thing. <laughs> we talked about careers being that one thing, uh, peace, and I think another one was happiness. Okay, so let's, let's revisit those things. These are our one thing. Our life is in pursuit of this one thing here is you this is the goal you're going towards the goal odds are that whatever the goal you're pursuing you're experiencing resistance in that pursuit every one of you if you have a goal if your life is in a direction you will experience resistance. Period. I want to be careful about how we tread into this. Because a very productive conversation could go a very bad direction if we're not careful. So I'm not asking you to vocalize this next part out loud, but I want you to recognize it internally. Can you name the opposition that you're experiencing? It may be a person. It may be a thing. It may be a group. But can you name the opposition? 
was probably a really easy. But here's the second question. Have you demonized them? Have you already demonized the opposition? Here's, here's the ticket. If you're here and you are pursuing that one thing, but in your thoughts and in your conversation, you excuse yourself from achieving that because they did this, they are doing that, they said this, they won't let me do that, they keep me from doing that, they, they, they. There's a chance that you've already demonized that person or group or opposition. And in doing so, you're putting way too many resources in attacking how they are holding you up. Too many resources in attacking the they instead of pursuing the thing. Can you name the opposition? Have you demonized the opposition? It's a dangerous, slippery slope. Can, can the opposition also demonize themselves, though? Mm-mm. No? Only you have the power of how you view the person and how you either attack them or pursue the goal. Opposition's real. <laughs> right? I mean, it's legit. It's real. It, it's, it's evil sometimes. Sometimes it's soul trying to eliminate you. It may be that. It may be more passive. It may just be this resistance that just exists in the world. It could be your ex. It could be your current spouse. It could be the president. It could be the company across town. It can be anything or anyone, right? As you pursue your career, Joe, I want to be this in the builder world, but then there's this other builder who is causing struggles for me as I pursue my goal. There's the supplier that just can't get their junk right. And because they are the problem, I cannot achieve my goal. It could be anyone. It could be everyone. It could be passive. It could be active. It could be intentional. It could be accidental. But only we, as the one who is pursuing the goal... Only we hold the authority of how we're going to demonize and therefore put all our energy into defeating them or just recognize they exist, say it's the Lord's battle. He is stronger than any enemy that comes against me. I will continue pursuing my goal and he will continue fighting my battles. Is it your job to fight the battle? Or does the Lord go with you? And you see any a number of horses, any chariots, any armies that freak you out because they are far greater or more powerful than you? Be strong and courageous. The Lord goes with you and He fights for you. And if the Lord fights for you, Keep pressing towards the goal and let him fight the enemy. But the moment we demonize the enemy, we stop pursuing the goal. And the Lord can't fight our battles because the battle 
became internal. Saul could have been king. He could have had a son on the throne. But he didn't handle opposition well. David's success became his problem. The rules for war, according to Deuteronomy 20. Here's the rules for war in Deuteronomy 20. That's actually the header. If your Bible has a header, it says rules for war. If you've got a different version, it may say something else. The rules for war, according to Deuteronomy 20. Man, I wish I had to take a picture of that before we did that. Head toward the goal. Rule number one, head towards the goal. When you go out to war against your enemies and you see horses, chariots, and armies larger than yours, don't be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, he's with you. Just head that way. Pursue the goal. Rule number number two, as you see opposition bigger, stronger, and meaner than you, you see opposition... Don't fear. No matter how intense the opposition is, as you pursue your goal, no matter how big they are, stronger than you, how much money they got, how much wealth and how much influence, how much of a voice, no matter what, don't be afraid. As you pursue your goal and opposition arises, don't be afraid. God's with you. God's with you. He's bigger, meaner, and stronger than any opposition you got. Rule number three. Keep heading to the goal. The step from two to three is the key. Step from two to three is where we get derailed all the time. Head towards your goal. Doing it. Got it. See the opposition. Don't fear. Keep heading towards the goal. No, some of you just got derailed and you found yourself pursuing the enemy instead of the goal. You thought it was your job to chase the opposition instead of pursue the goal at this point. That's where many of us get derailed and we don't see God's vision in our life fulfilled because we thought we fought our own battles. No. Keep heading towards the goal. Keep heading towards the goal. Keep heading towards the goal. And as you head towards the goal, let the priest remind you of this. There's three things that he says. The priest steps in at this point and he reminds you. What does the priest remind you? Don't be afraid. Be courageous. I mean, he literally says in chapter 20, let the priest come in and say these things to you. Don't be afraid, but be courageous. Let the priest remind you God is with you. God's with you, and let the priest remind you that you should receive the victory. God will win on your behalf. Receive the victory that God wins on your behalf. Psalm 23, he anoints 
my head with oil. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That will never happen if we demonize and pursue the enemy. Period. When we get derailed between step two and step three, the Lord does not prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Because in that moment, we've become our own worst enemy by demonizing the opposition and thinking that it's our fight to fight. Lord's with you. He'll fight it for you. Here's my conclusion. The only real opposition is ourselves. Two points of conclusion. We are really the only opposition. When we demonize, we sidetrack our focus and minimize our faith. We are the only real opposition. If the Lord fights our battles for us, the fact that we think we have to fight them, we have become our own opposition. We quit pursuing the goal. Number two, Jesus. Jesus is our priest. In fact, the New Testament says that he is our great high priest. He is the fulfillment of the priestly role, so this makes really good sense. He is the priest. He is our good shepherd. He is preparing our table. He is winning the battle. When I go out to battle and I see horses, chariots, and armors, armies bigger than mine, I will not fear because he is with me. My priest is with me. Have faith in the person of Jesus to fulfill exactly what we have spoken of. He says, I am the shepherd. I lay down my life for you. I fight off the enemy. And he says, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me because he is fighting off the enemy with his rod. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything we're talking about. I think last, I don't even have this, but I think lastly we need to recognize one thing. One thing. Sean and I kind of had a little talk about this. Some of these things in this one thing that we're pursuing, they're awesome. They're good. They're godly. God has put them in front of you to pursue them. I just let this be fine, the fine print at the bottom. If you're pursuing something ungodly, if you're pursuing something that God has not given you to pursue, something that is sinful and destructive, nobody's fighting your battle for you. You're on your own. Okay? If you're pursuing something that is not godly, Christ-centered, given to you in your life and your role, like, Jesus has no promise to go with you. In fact, when Joshua gave that command in Joshua 1, be strong, be courageous, the Lord goes with you. He says, do not turn from the left and do not turn from the right from the word of God that we have received. So it's, it's when I walk by faith in the word of God, the person of God, I know that he is with me and he is fighting for me. But if you've made your own path, 
We make our own bed and we lie in it. Okay? But if we move ahead by faith in Jesus, we have no enemy that he will not defeat on our behalf. We need not be sidetracked and demonize anybody as the problem. The only real problem is when we get distracted from the goal and we begin to pursue the enemy. He'll do that for us. Man, that's hard to swallow, ain't it? (laughs) Man. Remember the lives of David. Remember the lives of Saul. See what it looks like to get distracted by your opposition. See what it looks like to keep your eyes on the prize and let God fight your battles. Saul never stood in the way of David pursuing and achieving his goal. Saul never became a problem. God took care of it. He took care of it. David or Saul got derailed and that was the end of his legacy. That's the end. Jesus is our priest. Let him remind you of these things. Jesus is our shepherd. Let him fight our fight. Let me pray for you. God, I, I confess that what we have seen today is